2: Yama, and welcome to NITV Radio. Today is Monday the 29th of May, and this is our first program during Reconciliation Week 2023. Reconciliation Week is a time for all Australians to reflect and learn about shared histories, cultures, and achievements. The Wikosu seeks to strengthen respectful relationships between non Indigenous Australians and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities through conversations and meaningful reconciliation initiatives. In this context, we'll bring you a yarn with uh, Adam Sheep talking about a new Land Care Junior initiative for school kids to build connections with First Nations people through yearning cycles. We also bring your story in sydney's northern beaches at saint john the baptist primary school where a bush Tucker garden brimming with native plants is being tended to providing an opportunity for students of all your groups to connect with culture and country on an itv radio today we also continue a conversation started last week with corey tot exploring this book thinks you're deadly a celebration of black excellence is corey tot's latest book All these stories and more coming to you after the latest news on NITV radio. And this afternoon, we are broadcasting from Nam on the Kulin Nation. Betran Tungandami Ngaya. I am Betran Tungandame.
1: Australia Day 1972 saw the first Aboriginal embassy erected outside Palma. The native title legislation must be amended. And they've walked this land so many times before anybody came.
0: I am sorry.
2: Prime Minister to label those opposed to the Indigenous Voice to Parliament as running the scare campaign. The opposition leader accuses the government of causing economic pain through higher energy prices. And in tennis, a surprise victory of Australian Tanasi Kokinakis at the French Open. Anthony Albanese says those opposed to the Indigenous Voice to Parliament are underestimating Australians. Mr Albanese will today deliver the or O'Donoghue oration in Adelaide. In the speech, named after the famous Indigenous activist, Mr Albanese will accuse those opposed to the Voice to Parliament of running a scare campaign. He is said to to say that Australia has a healthy scepticism of people who behave in this way and that the Voice to Parliament is a -a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to unite the nation. Recent polling has shown reduced support for the proposal, but Social Services Minister Amanda Rishworth has told the Seven Network that the government is working to educate people about the issue and she believes people are supportive of the proposal.
3: There is more work to be done to make sure we're getting uh, all those details out there. But I think ultimately when I'm talking with people, there is a a groundswell of support to suggest that uh, Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islanders do deserve a say in the issues that affect them.
2: Independent Victorian Sen. Lydia Thorpe says she may abstain from voting on a crucial bill for the referendum on the Indigenous Voice to Parliament. The government is hoping to pass its constitution alteration legislation for the Indigenous Voice next month, which will allow the referendum to take place. Sen. Thorpe has told the ABC she will be moving an amendment on the legislation for First Nations sovereignty to be acknowledged but she says she may abstain from the vote because she can't agree with either the yes or the no campaigns.
4: The yes vote is to uh, allow for a powerless voice uh, to go into the constitution. Yes, we don't know what this looks like. It could be one person. It's up to the parliament to decide what the voice looks like. So uh, I can't support something that gives us no power uh, and I certainly cannot support a no campaign that is looking more like a white supremacy campaign that is causing a lot of harm.
2: The recipients of the 2023 First Nations Arts and Culture Awards have been announced in a special broadcast by NITV and the Australian Council for the Arts. The awards celebrate established and emerging First Nations artists by recognising their significant contributions to Australian arts and culture. The broadcast marked the beginning of Reconciliation Week on the anniversary of the 1967 referendum. Michael West from the Metropolitan Local Aboriginal Land Council says Aboriginal art needs to continue being made.
1: Art plays a very important part in our culture, in our society, when you think about it. It gives us an opportunity to challenge and share our emotions and our thoughts. We'd like to say to all those out there practicing artists, please continue what you are doing.
2: NITV will air a variety of relevant Reconciliation Week programmes until the 3rd of June. Opposition leader Peter Dutton claims Prime Minister Antony Albanese and the Federal Treasurer don't understand how they're hurting ordinary Australians economically. Mr Dutton says the government's recent federal budget is keeping pressure on interest rates to go up, but he's focusing his attack on the government's energy policy. Mr Dutton says while he supports the transition to renewable energy, the Labour Party is governing like the Greens with its energy policy ruled by ideology rather than practicality. He's using his visit to a fruit-selling business in Melbourne to accuse the government of causing higher power prices which cause businesses to charge consumers higher prices for essential goods.
0: Costs for these types of businesses which are energy-intensive will continue to go up, not by 3 and 4% each year, but by very high double-digit figures. And they just can't absorb that cost into their business. It has to be passed on to consumers, and that's why your grocery prices are going up and up under Labor.
2: Tasmanian Senator Jackie Lambie says the federal government is not providing adequate solutions to Australia's housing crisis. A new analysis by the NZ Bank and property data firm Coa Logic has revealed the portion of people's income that goes to rent has reached its highest level since 2014. Their report has found a household in Australia on the median income would need to pay 30.8% of its income to service a new lease. The report also finds that the gap in housing affordability is getting wider, with poorer households impacted harder by higher rents. Ms Lambie has told the Nine Network the government will not be able to build enough new houses in time to ease the housing crisis. She also says the government's plans to expand immigration again are not helping matters.
0: We're not going to be able to build them fast enough, even with all the ones that are planned under Labor in the next five years. We're just not keeping up. And then you're talking about immigration coming back in and opening the borders fully again and that flowing again.
2: Melbourne has received its biggest earthquake in more than one hundred and twenty years. More than twenty two thousand people have been contacted have contacted Geosciences Australia saying they felt the earthquake. It was felt as far north as Bendigo and as far south as Hobart. The tremor struck at eleven forty one PM local time last night. It registered a magnitude of three point eight with an epicenter at Sunbury, about forty kilometers northwest of the central business district. The State Emergency Service says it received three calls for help. There are no reports of any casualties. Hugh Glanville is a seismologist for Geosciences Australia. He says the chance of there being a large aftershocks or this being the precursor to a bigger earthquake is small.
4: Uh, so this
0: isn't that large an earthquake, so um, while it's possible we may get some aftershocks, we would expect them to be quite small, magnitude 2 or smaller. Uh, we may get none, sometimes you just get an earthquake with no aftershocks.
2: Recep Tayyip Erdogan has won re-election for another five years as President of Turkey, extending his run as the nation's longest tenured leader since Kamal Ataturk. Mr Erdogan, who has been President since 2014 and was Prime Minister for 11 years prior to that, has won 52.1% of the vote in the run of election against the rival Kemal Kilicadoglu. Kilicadoglu got the remaining 47.9% of the vote. Whilst Mr Erdogan's time in power has strengthened Turkey's position as a regional military power, critics charge that his policies are increasingly authoritarian. And whilst Mr. Kilicadoglu is not disputing the result of the election, he says he's been the victim of some of Mr. Erdogan's approach. We experienced the most unfair election in recent years.
0: All the means of the state were mobilized for a political party. All possibilities were laid
2: under one man's feet. Ukrainian officials say Russia has subjected the country's capital, Kyiv, to its largest drone attack since the war between the two nations started last year. At least one person, a 41-year-old man, has been killed in Kiev after debris fell on a building and started a fire as a result of an attack using Iranian-made Shahid drones. The attacks lasted for about five hours and come on Cave Day, marking the anniversary of the city's founding more than 1,500 years ago. Ukraine's President Volodymyr Zelensky says Ukrainian forces shot down many of the
1: drones.
2: During this terrorist attack, quantitatively the most powerful blow was directed against Kyiv region.
1: Thirty-six drones were shot down within the city of Kyiv and the region. This is how Russia celebrates the day of our ancient Kyiv.
2: And back home, a new analysis says Australia could be caught in the middle of competition between the United States and China in the area of technology. A report by the Lowy Institute, which specialises in examining international policy, says competition between the two superpowers in this area could impact Australia's ability to make scientific and medical breakthroughs. Behind this is what is believed to be the ambition of the U.S. to stop China's progress in artificial intelligence by denying China the ability to use or make advanced computer chips. The Lowy Institute says if the U.S. placed wider export denials on technology to China, it would expect Australia to do likewise. And that would in turn mean Australia ending thousands of partnerships with Chinese academics in the medicine and high-tech fields to sport in tennis, Australian Tanasi Kokinakis has achieved a surprise victory on day one of the French Open. The Australian only qualified for the tournament as a wild card but has eliminated the 25th seeded player Britain's Dan Evans in the first round. He won in, sets, in straight sets 6-4, 6-4, 6-4. It's Tanasi Kokinakis' first win at the French Open in eight years. There's been controversy in the women's singles. The number 2-ranked player in the World Arena Sabalenka of Belarus has beaten Ukrainian Marta Kostyuk in the first round. Kostyuk continued her policy of not shaking hands after the match with players from Russia or Belarus due to the war in Ukraine, and the crowd booed her for this. Sabalenka says she was confused at first, thinking the crowd was booing her rather than Kostyuk.
3: Yeah, I, I couldn't understand what's going on because, I mean, we all know that uh, Ukrainians girls will not shake uh, hands with us, so it's kind of not a surprise for us, but probably for for the public today it was a surprise. So they, 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 they saw it as uh, disrespect me as a player, so that's why I was bullying to her.
2: And now, having a look at the weather around the country, Broome sunny 23, Perth cloudy 23, Adelaide showers 18, Melbourne a shower 217, Hobart showers easing 13 degrees, Albury, Wodonga cloudy 12, Canberra partly cloudy 14, Wollongong sunny 19, Sydney sunny 21, Newcastle the same 22, Brisbane sunny as well at the top of 22, Townsville sunny 26, Kent similar conditions 27, early spring the sunny. sunny. Sunny day as well, 20 degrees. Darwin, sunny and 30. And the Torres Strait Islands, sunny day ahead and the top of 29 degrees. And that is NITV Radio News.
0: NITV Radio. Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 1 p.m. Or
2: anytime online. Welcome back. Now, today is our first program uh, during Reconciliation Week, and hence our first story. It's about an event that uh, is taking place actually currently at uh, the MCG, convened by Riemann Healthcare, a New Zealand retirement village and race home operator. The event is a Trans Tasman conversation taking place at the MCG, exploring the journey of the First Nations people in Australia and Aotearoa in New Zealand. In line with this year's National Reconciliation Week theme, Be a Voice for Generations, the event will see elders from both First Nations communities share their stories for struggle, of struggle, and success, and learn from each other's unique experiences. The event includes a panel discussion with Deborah Cheatham and area Petty-Bulmo and other First Nations elders. The event began this morning with Deborah Cheatham's rendition of a Welcome to Country in Yorta Yorta Language. <music> To the Yorta. the welcome to country in Yorta language by Deborah Cheatham, the Maori elders respond to that welcoming ceremony.
3: Papapaka pa pa ka hidahira tenneira ite honoka kata plue
5: Kā tangi te titi, kā tangi te kākā, kā ka tangi hoki a hau, ti hei mauri ora. Emetua tangi mātue mihi, te atue nāna nei ngā mea tapu katoa. Tua rua, kā huri o kūpakaaro, kūpare tu nei, me te papa e takatō ki wā hō rā, tēnā Te honga mate ko wheturangi tia, haere, haere, hoki atu rā, hoki atu ki te kaanga, moe mai, moe mai, moe mai. I tenei wā kā huriau ki ke tangata te noa, tēnā koutou, ngā mini nui, tēnā koutou. Tēnā koe, whaia Deborah, moto, moto, Nō haramai, nō nō Kena puta, kena puta, kena puta, katoa. E hara i te mea, noa nae And
2: that was our Maori response to Deborah Cheatham's Welcome to Country in Your Teotah Language earlier this morning at a Trans- Tasman Reconciliation Week event organised by Riemann Healthcare. We'll bring you more coverage of this event in our upcoming programmes.
0: Your community, your conversation. NITV Radio.
2: Coming up next, we continue our coverage of stories about Reconciliation Week. We start with a new initiative allowing school kids to connect with First Nations people through yearning cycles. We also have a story about a project in Sydney's Northern Beaches, where in a school promoting connection to country and culture. We also continue our conversation with Corey Toot, exploring his new book, This Book Thinks You're Deadly, a celebration of Black excellence. Now, let's look at how yearning cycles contribute to reconciliation.
0: You're with NITV Radio.
2: Junior Land Care has released a new series of First Nations Perspectives learning activities on the Junior Land Care Learning Center. And joining us on NITV Radio to discuss uh, these uh, initiatives is uh, Adam Sheep, who co created uh, these uh, learning tools. Welcome to NITV Radio, Adam.
1: Thanks, Better. Nice to be here.
2: One of the learning tools is about creating uh, learning cycles for kids. Can you tell us about uh, these learning cycles for kids?
1: Uh, yeah, so um, Junior Landcare has been developing um, just Different sort of, I guess, criteria, criteria areas of learning um, for kids around um, environment and um, conservation, sustainability, and um, as part of that, um, I've been um, uh, brought on to assist with uh, First Nations input on on different uh, various sort of um, uh, education resources. So. Uh, I've already been working with them over the past few years and we've developed a uh, few resources around how to create, uh, you know, Aboriginal plant use gardens in schools, um, how to uh, connect with traditional owners and uh, First Nations people um, and many other types of resources. And the most recent one we've just developed is Yarning Circles, so uh, Really, for educators and for land care, junior land care um, coordinators, and anyone else out there who wants to learn more about using yarning circles in their school or in their practice.
2: This is for kids of uh, what age groups? Because learning, learning cycles, uh, they need to be able to understand what they're getting uh, involved in so that they can really immerse themselves in uh, the culture, the connection, and everything. How old are they?
4: Yeah,
1: that's correct, yeah. So we sort of aim them for around the 7 to 13 years. Um, However, the resources do also cross um, across to the older years, so, you know, from 14 to 18, um, and some resources are available for that sort of 0 to 7 year as well. But generally, um, that kind of between 7 and 13 years is, the main sort of area that um, our focus is.
2: And when you design learning cycles, do you create them with the teachers who then pass on the knowledge to the kids or the kids are involved uh, throughout the whole process?
1: So how it sort of um, has ran is um, initially we kind of, we we developed the the resource uh, and that's generally so myself, there'll be um, an educational consultant who works with us His role is kind of helping to connect it with curriculum type studies and different things like that. Uh, So we sort of generally work in the background first, work together a bit, and then after we develop the resource, then we start to go out to schools um, and start to kind of showcase it in schools and work with students. And from that, we often get a bit of filming and footage of, of students using those spaces. Um and we get to talk more to students about um, why we've developed the resource, why it's significant, and you know why they think it's important to get involved in those kind of um, uh, initiatives as well. So over the whole process it's definitely collaborative, like we definitely work with youth and, and, and the students um, and the teachers as well in various schools to kind of really help to, I guess showcase and to get the resources out there.
2: Yeah, and uh, one of the things that uh, is uh, striking for me is uh, they get to learn about uh, things like uh, First Nations weather, how to create indigenous plants, use gardens, and so on. Indigenous weather is something that uh, would be really interesting for many other, for everyone else to know about because the the way we read the weather and uh, mm-hmm. understand it is uh, different.
1: It is, definitely, definitely, yeah. And that's... Um that's feedback that I've actually gotten from, you know, parents and that, that I know that have their kids in school learning some of those resources around weather. Like the, the, the children are really, um, they get quite into it and excited to learn, I guess, new different ways to look at weather, even though they're our old ways, um, it's kind of new to a lot of new, to, to, to children and youth in the school today. So, um, you know, they get quite excited in learning, I guess, how our people look at weather Um, and how um, seasons are different um, to every sort of group around Australia, you know. And that's something that I try to kind of put within those resources is, you know, I'm coming from my people like a Radjury perspective of, you know, central west New South Wales region. So the weather's quite different to, you know, people that are up in the top end of Australia. And and so um, it's really about for children in school is to try and learn the connect with the people in your region, the traditional owners in your region and learn some of that local knowledge around seasons so that they get a better understanding of how seasons were looked at um, in those old old times So um, and how they can still be looked at today because it's still very very much helpful today to learn how to read seasons and know the different times of year.
2: Yeah and they read them with other uh, instruments like satellites and so on but yet uh, they get a really very accurate understanding of uh, the environment they live in
1: That's right, exactly right. And being able to, um, yeah, like you say, like there's all that sort of modern um, technology that they they talk about, you know, with satellites and different things, but we have a lot of our old ways of just connecting with land and watching what's happening on land, but also what's happening in the skies and the different changes within the year um, of the different, you know, whether it's aspects of the the um, astrology in the sky, the stars and things or whether it's um, different flowering trees or different animal behaviours on the ground and they all kind of happen and teach us of different timings of the year and what's, what we can expect to come weather-wise. So it's all very important knowledge.
2: And uh, are the yearning cycles rolled out in uh, schools across Australia or it's in uh, just uh, your area? I believe you live on uh, Nunawal country or...
1: Uh, so yes, I used to live on Nullarbor Country in Canberra. Um, I'm now back out in Viradjuri Country in Dubbo. So, um, and look, the uh, the Yarning Circles. So the the materials and the resources that we put online are free now, and they've rolled out across Australia. Um, in terms of the actual building the Yarning Circle, so that's really um, For the school to do or initiate um, and we kind of put within the resources, we give a few tips and ways to do that so um, you know, we understand that not every school um, or group, you know, whether it's a homeschool group or whoever it is um, may may have the funding, you know, to get a nice big circle with lots of really large rocks or whatever it is Um, so we give a few different tips and ways that you can develop a yarning circle in your um, school or or group, so um, yeah, so that's that's a big takeaway that we try to help as well is that um, you know you can have a yarning circle anywhere, so you can find a nice patch of grass somewhere on the school oval, or you know under a tree. Um, you know, there's some of the best yarning circles um, to facilitate is just having the kids out under a gum tree or something, immersed in nature. You know, um, and you know it can be as simple as that, um, but you can also um, create yarning circles um, in a designated space in your school with, you know, lovely materials like wood or rock or whatever it is.
2: So, so how does a typical yarning cycle look like?
1: Yeah, so um, again, it's really um, it, it's really varied to how you want it to look. Um, you know, many schools that I've been into will use um, things like sandstone um, blocks. Um, as seating or wooden uh, wooden logs um, and they will basically shape it in that circle um, shape um, and often those um, circles will be in amongst you know bush food gardens or or garden spaces in the school or areas with nice tree cover and things um so generally that's kind of the look um however, like I said, you know we you don't have to use um, seating if if you don't um. Had the resources to use that at the time you can just um take a group of kids out onto a grassy area and sit directly on the ground on the earth you know and um or on pillows or cushions or something so it can be really up to you how you form that circle that yarning circle
2: do you have the ambition to roll them out across all the schools or just uh, those that are affiliated with land care
1: yeah look i um would love to see it more broadly across all schools if If it's um, something that, um, you know, over time we can initiate a project to get more schools and more schools able to get funding and and things to to design them, it would be great to see that. Um, Because I think by placing the yarning circles in the schools, it then opens up um, that opportunity for schools to connect more with the local custodians of the land in their area that they're living um, and bring in more people, more of our people in, you know, First Nations people in to do cultural um, immersions and workshops and different things like that. So you know, I think it would only be a positive to see it rolled out across across the nation eventually. So yeah.
2: Now before I let you go, Adam, any closing thoughts or maybe addition to the conversation of something we may have missed, and that's a really yeah. important for listeners to know.
1: Yeah. So I think um, I'd like to just close it by obviously, um, you know, people are interested in in finding the resources, so um, they can go to Landcare Australia website and they can follow the tabs to the Junior Landcare. Um, and so this is for anyone, anyone that wants to have a look at the resources, but um, in particular to educators and teachers that might want to use the resource um, can can get those for free off the website. Um, so they're available so yeah you just go through Landcare Australia to the junior landcare website and you'll find them in the um, First Nations resources area um, I'd also obviously just shout out to um, the Woolworths who who funded the the whole project and continue to support and fund the junior land care First Nation project so obviously um, we can't do this stuff without without that funding so I'm very much uh, grateful for the support um, and yeah that's. I think that's everything. So, um, yeah, just really happy to be involved in the project.
2: Yeah, Adam Ship, thank you very much for having the time to talk to us about uh, the Junior Learning Cycles Project uh, by uh, Landcare. Thank you.
0: Join the conversation on radio, online and mobile. You're with NITV Radio.
2: Now, Reconciliation Week is a time for all Australians to reflect and learn about our shared histories, cultures and achievements. It also seeks to strengthen respectful relationships between non-Indigenous Australians and Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities through conversations and meaningful reconciliation initiatives. Jennifer Skira reports.
6: At St John the Baptist Primary School on Sydney's northern beaches, a bush tucker garden, brimming with native plants, is being tended to. It's an opportunity for students of all year groups to connect with culture and country. The garden was planted with the guidance of proud Warramai man Josh Brown, who runs Aboriginal education provider Deadly Ed.
4: For us, it's how do we connect all Australians to culture, um, but how do we connect it in a way that's actually going to benefit Aboriginal country and community at the same time.
6: From wattle to finger lime, each plant is accompanied by a sign outlining its cultural uses.
4: If we can get just you know, one student or a young person to learn something new and they're then sharing with their own personal network, then that's how we're really going to instill that kind of knowledge and sharing knowledge.
6: Here's what some of the students had to say. I've learned to about some plants
0: and what they're used for. You can make soap out of a bottle. You can learn a lot about, like, the food. I love plants, I love finding worms.
6: For school leaders like Principal Alicia van der Merwe, the program is all about planting the seeds of knowledge for the next generation and empowering them to carry forward reconciliation initiatives like this. I think education is power and knowledge is power and I think we need to make sure that our young children, even from as young as kindergarten, which you saw today, um, have that knowledge to pass on. And I think having that reconciliation conversation can never start too early. Karen Mundine is the Chief Executive Officer of Reconciliation Australia. It's an opportunity
0: for us to really explore how do we create better, more trustful, more mutually uh, beneficial relationships that create better outcomes for all of us in
6: Australia. Jake Ferguson is a proud Bidjigal, Darawal, Wailwan, Birupai and Bundjalung man. On radio. He runs bush tucker tours through the Royal Botanic Gardens in Sydney.
1: We have people from like over America and Germany and stuff like they thought Australia was yeah beaches and barbecues. When you actually like learn about Indigenous history they... Like, they love it. We have a rich, diverse culture, the oldest living culture on planet Earth. A
6: decolonisation initiative is also underway, with horticultural displays at the Botanic Gardens of Sydney on track to be updated as part of a plant multi-naming project to reflect the First Nations, scientific and English names of plants. Jared Kelly is Curator-Manager at the Royal Botanic Gardens.
4: To do this we are
0: consulting with traditional custodians, elders and language knowledge holders. We want to share this cultural
4: knowledge with our visitors through our horticultural displays, educational programs and scientific community.
6: Jennifer Sherer, SBS News. Visit
0: sbs.com.au slash radio.
2: Welcome back, and now we continue our conversation that we started last week with uh, Corey Toot about this book, Thinks You're Deadly, a celebration of black excellence. And this is Corey Toot's latest book, profiling 80 men and women who have done deadly things, not only for the community, but for the entire country.
0: Your Community, Your Conversation, NITV Radio.
2: Earlier you said that uh, you don't want your book to feel like a sort of Wikipedia. I'd say it's far greater than Wikipedia. To me, it looks more like an illustrated encyclopedia. Talking about illustrations, you worked with Molly Hunt to produce this really beautiful book. Can you tell us about your collaboration with uh, Molly on uh, this publication?
4: Yeah, so about four years ago, um, Molly and I actually were haywire trailblazers together. So we had won this... um, a regional and remote um, scholarship with the ABC and we got along so well and it was quite a few of us actually that they got along really well during the week and um, I sort of said to her I'm like we'll write a book one day and you know I sort of say these throwaway lines a lot um, and sometimes it comes off and sometimes it doesn't but we'd we'd spoken about doing a book since four years ago and when I forward of the concept for this book, I was like, I really want to do it with Molly. Um, I want Molly to be an illustrator. And, you know, it was it was like the perfect person to do this book with because and you know, Molly herself is incredibly inspiring and does, you know, incredible work. Um, whether it's painting murals or or working to mentor young um, people and, and give them, you know, that self belief and hope, and and the fact that I was able to do it with Molly made it really special for me because um, I'm obviously very close with Black Douglas as well, who did First Scientist. But you know, I made a decision as a as an author and probably as a um, like in the arts um, of of creating these books that. Um, I would go with a different artist every time, again, as a kind of way to honour that artist. So, like, I it would be the same style and and DNA of writing and um, the same creation process, but it would be um, slightly different topics. But I thought that it would be better if Molly did this book than... So, every book that I write, I'm going to try and work with a different artist and try and develop that relationship and that friendship and and turn, you know, the words and the – because the, um, the words are there, but the image is, is so important because people see the image. So, if I can build a great relationship with that artist, then – they can really, you know, scoop the juice out of this brain um, and create something that people can celebrate. So, you know, the fact that I could do it with Molly and um, she's been a really close friend of mine for many years is just a—it's a very proud thing for me and my family. And um, Molly was great throughout the whole process. Um, she's an incredible artist, and you know, getting her thought and feedback on the book, she's a huge reason why this book is. Become a book, and and it will be successful. Hopefully,
2: I believe this book will also, as a reference guide, uh, work very well online. Do you envision producing an online version as well? I, I
4: would really love to have an audiobook book. Um, that decision probably hasn't been made yet, but I would love to turn it into an audiobook or even a um, you know an animation series would be mm. really great because one of the things that I I think with this book and I think with this concept is that this could be a podcast, this could be an animation series, this could be an audio book. Um, you know, I I think, you know, with my writing and, and how I'm trying to, um, you know, set up my career as an author and, and the things that I want to create, you know, when people pick up a, a Corey book, they, I want them to go on a journey and a journey of, you know, um, you know, there's a lot of really crappy things about our planet and our world and our country at times. And I want people to escape and and get joy out of things that I create. Um, And I think that if it can be turned into an audiobook and someone with a much better voice than me can read it, um, it could be the thing that really helps someone escape for an hour or two. Um, and they can learn about some inc- incredible, inspiring people um, throughout that process. So I'm, yeah, I'm really open to that. I think that, there's so many different things that this book can become, and I kind of feel like I've just started the Lego brick. Um, it's the base of the Lego brick, and I'm I'm really hopeful that people like the book and and enjoy it, and they get saying that, you know, that's bigger than themselves out of that book, but it can also add um, some inspiration. And you know, I want people to think about why they're deadly, and and everyone's deadly in their own way, and it's just. It's important this book exists so they can see that.
2: Earlier you mentioned working uh, with some of the elders, uh, really towering figures who sadly have left us. But you also worked with living legends like uh, Stan Grant and Professor Tom Kalmer. How was it working with uh, these giants?
4: Working with Stan Grant and um, and various other people is really easy because they're just like you said, they're living legends. They're they're incredible people that, um, you know, who just lead and they've led for decades. Um, so you know, when you work with them, you're kind of in a bit of aura um, about you know working with them, and you, it it's like it's one of those things where you just you realise that exceptional humans are just people who just really care about others um they often put themselves last and you know both um stan and and uncle tom karma uh, they they embotomize that um that process because they just deeply care for for others um and their their work is to service others whether that's free information or um health which tom has led um a lot of really incredible work in so to have them in like in that book and celebrate in that way is just incredibly
2: important. Once again, congratulations on another very fine book, but before I let you go, any final thoughts?
4: Yeah. Um, for anyone who picks up this book, one, thank you for, um, picking up my book and, um, helping support this book, but also just want to acknowledge that there's a lot of incredible, um, deadly, amazing people out there. um, you know they may not have made the book, but I I want to acknowledge all those people. I do I do see you, and um, you know, hopefully we can write a few more copies of this book and and get some of those people in there. Um, but I I'm really excited about this book, and I'm excited to um see, you know, people get inspired and and enjoy this book. Um, because it was a it was a sheer joy to write, and I'm I'm very excited as an author that. And I feel very blessed that I've been able to write such a, a book that um, hopefully will inspire people to, you know, see why they're deadly. And I'm really excited about that.
2: Corey thank you very much for taking the time to talk to us on NITV Radio about uh, your latest book, This Book Thinks You're Deadly. Thank you so much.
0: Join NITV Radio on Facebook.
2: And uh, this brings us to the end of uh, today's program. Bertrand and I am Bertrand Tungendami, thanking you for staying with us this Monday afternoon. Till next time, bye for now. Yalouk.